Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today we've got Derek Myron and Derek has a special guest today and that's Kurt Welker. He's a CPA tax partner with PKF San Diego. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning, Eric. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. You know, I, I think we said this last time, but I'm in year seven and a half of social distancing and it's going well. So I mean, it's, I've got some good practice. Kurt, I'm assuming you're doing the same thing out there. Yep. Yep. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Hey, Derek, why did, why did you bring Kurt on the show today? I mean, obviously I know his title uh, and I know that he's going to teach us something, but why specifically did you choose this podcast to bring him on? All that business owners are talking about today is the PPP program. I thought it would be very prudent and timely to bring on a tax expert that really understands the PPP program and loan forgiveness. And so I asked Kurt to join our show today, and he graciously accepted. Well, I'm here to learn. Every time I get together with you, I learn something new. I appreciate that. So I'm going to shut up and let you guys go. Okay. Thank you, Eric. So I think it might be helpful, Kurt, for me to spend a minute and just get us caught up to the beginning of the CARES Act that passed on March 27th. And there was $349 billion made available for small business loans. And those were small businesses that had employees of under 500. And the SBA opened their doors on April 3rd to begin processing those applications and delivering golden tickets to business owners. On April 15th, the SBA announced that 100% of the money had been drawn down. And Dan Yates, of CEO of Endeavor Bank, estimates that only one-third of small business owners that are eligible got the money. Today, Congress is debating on the next $310 billion. It passed the Senate on April 21st, and we're hoping to have it pass the House today. Again, this $310 billion might only cover the next one-third of business owners. There still could be one-third of the small business community be left out unless Congress would act again. So I thought it would be great, since a third of the folks have already gotten the loan, to start talking about the biggest thing about the loan, which is loan forgiveness. With that, Kurt, why don't you give us a little background on the loan forgiveness and what business owners should do on or before they've gotten the loan? So, Derek, this obviously is, is a huge piece, is the, the, the loan forgiveness piece. And I, and I can't stress this enough, and we'll bring, uh, bring it up over and over again. Business owners need to get on top of this and start planning and looking at this strategically to maximize their loan forgiveness because there's lots of loopholes that you have to jump through in order to get it completely forgiven. We're, we're finding our, our business owners have gotten the money and they're excited about that. You know, hey, great, I'm, I'm one of the people that got the money. But now all of a sudden they're like, well, wait a minute. I, I gotta I gotta think about this forgiveness. So again, there's a lot of strategies and there's a lot of calculations. So we can't stress that enough. They need to be proactive and start looking at this and and planning ahead. 
So to, to kind of answer your question, the, some of the loops that you have to jump through is 75% of the amount of the loan amount has to be used for wages. So you're going to you're going to test that. You have you have uh, eight weeks after the loan is funded to spend the money. Seventy-five percent of that has to go. And when I say wages, I should clarify that that's payroll. Payroll includes wages and health insurance that you pay for your employees and retirement contributions. So if you have a 401k match, that gets to be included in those payroll costs. Is there a cap on per employee? Yeah, good question. They exclude any wages over $100,000. That was one of the things that needed to be clarified originally when the uh, amount that you were requesting uh, was being done. You exclude any wages over $100,000. But if you have a highly paid employee who's making more than 100000 the fringe benefits, the 401k match and the health insurance is an allowed calculation. That is allowed to be included in the payroll costs. So the first, the first step again is 75% of that amount has to be spent on payroll, as we just discussed. The other allowable expenses or expenditures included in the 25% is rents and that my reading of that is that would include if you have equipment leases any interest that you pay on obligations such as a mortgage or if you're buying any equipment on uh, that's financed uh, ut- and utilities those are the basics that make up the other 25% that's interest rent and utilities kurt Let's say that one of these business owners gets the money and they are a dentist's office that they can't go back to work. And so what are their choices here? That, that's a great question. And, and we've been counseling our clients who are in that boat that they're not going to be opening up maybe anytime soon. Hopefully, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But the, the folks that we're seeing that have shut down that have completely laid off staff are restaurants, hotels, and you bring up another one, dentist's office. And I'm sure there's a lot of other folks that are in that, that boat that, that had to completely shut down and probably laid off their staff completely. What we were counseling them was to delay applying for the loan in order to delay the funding of the loan because once you, once that loan funds, once that PPP loan is dispersed into your account, you're on an eight-week clock. And, and again, I can't stress that enough. You're on the eight-week clock once you get that loan. And that's when these measuring tests, the wages and the rents and everything that you pay, that's when it starts. But we balance that against the point that you started off with, is if you wait too long, you might get shut out of the program completely. We were betting that a second round of funding was going to come through, which it looks like it will. I think you mentioned that we, we're, we believe the House is going to pass that today. We counseled them to wait until the second round to apply in order to maximize, in order to be able to maximize the loan forgiveness. If you still say, hey, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be opening up until late May, and so if I receive the funds today, most of it's not going to get forgiven, 
that that's a calculated risk that you might want to take. Do I do I want to delay and hope that there's a third round of funding, or do I just want to go for it now? The the other thing I'd say is if if you just need the money and it's it's a great source of financing, right? It's only one percent interest. If you just need liquidity and you don't care about loan forgiveness, then absolutely you should be applying. But most of the people that we're talking to, and I'm sure with your with your clients too. They're very interested in the loan forgiveness piece. Correct. So can you take us through an example, Kurt? Let's just say that somebody gets $300,000. Let's make it easier. Let's make up $400,000. And so 75% of it would be $300,000 would have to be on payroll. And then $100,000, 25% of $400,000 could be spent on these other items from rent to uh, uh, interest on equipment and so on. Let's assume they only spent 200000 on wages. What happens at this eight-week period? So, so if you do the math, you just take, you take it and it's, it's uh, going to be one-third of that, right? One-third of the 200000 is then the amount that you can spend on rent, etc., and we've been playing around with that, and we found, depending on you know your your employer mix and what you know what type of business you're in, we found some people are very very payroll heavy, but don't have that much overhead in rent and interest and utilities, and so they're coming up short. Some other folks maybe you don't have that big of a payroll, but you have expensive office space, and they're not going to have any trouble spending that that additional amount on the rent. But but let's go back to my first example. You you have a, a lot of payroll and not much overhead, not much rent and interest, et cetera. And so then then you're like, well, I, I've got this twenty five percent piece that I'm I can use it for these expenses and have it forgiven, but I don't I don't have enough expenses. And that's, that's where we can get into some strategies, and, and, and we can talk about that later because I wanted to circle back to the actual uh, forgiveness calculation. The first, the first hoop you have to jump through that we've discussed is 75% of it has to go to pay, uh, payroll costs. But let's say that we, we, we do that. There's no, there's no problem there. Then the next test is that you have to maintain there's, – there's a test for – a head count and maintaining wages. Congressional intent was they if you they didn't want you to lay off anybody and they didn't want you to cut their wages. And that's what this loan is designed to do. It's designed to give small businesses the ability to keep all of their employees on and without a wage cut. So the second and third tests respectively are you 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 test whether you've cut any employees, and they call that a full-time employee equivalent, an FTE. It's basically just a headcount. And so, if you've, if you, if, to make it simple, if you've had no cuts in your employees, you've, you've not furloughed or laid off anybody, and you've not cut anybody's wages, it gets real simple. That, that's great. That's a great answer because then we don't even have to bother with that piece of the calculation. But we're seeing a lot of these folks, like we talked about, dentist office, restaurants, they've laid off a lot of people. So there's a, there's a test uh, during the eight-week period after the loan has funded 
and you have to calculate what the FTE, your headcount is during that eight-week period, and you compare that to two look-back periods. There's two periods that you're looking back to compare because they're, they're going to test and say, hey, did you lay anybody off? And again, this is part of the strategy of, of maximizing the loan. You can pick from one of two earlier periods where you calculate what your headcount was. And so you're going to want to choose the optimum period, obviously, on that to maximize your loan forgiveness. So that's, that's a ratio. So let's say that you look back, and we can, I can tell you what the periods are, or we can get more into it, but you look back and say, hey, I had 100 folks, full-time equivalents, in this look-back period, and now I only have 50 during the eight-week period. Well, that means you're going to cut, because obviously that's 50%, you're going to cut your loan forgiveness in half. And that's not just on the wage piece, but that's on your rent, et cetera, piece. So it's really, really critical if you want to try to maximize this to bring that headcount back up. The third test is, have I cut anyone's wages? Again, if I, and you measure this employee by employee in that eight-week period, and you look back to the prior quarter, the prior full quarter, to see if anyone's wages have been cut. And so let's say that, and that's also that same $100,000 rule, they, they are excluding. You can cut people that make more than 100000 you can cut their wages all you want, and it's not going to hurt you in this loan forgiveness calculation. But anyone that's making less than $100,000, if you cut their wages, that's, that goes into a calculation, and that's going to further haircut your loan forgiveness. So, Kurt, at our firm, we have gotten so many questions about this that we have put together a calculator uh, that we're starting to send out to our clients. Um, Would love to send it to you and get your input on it as well. There's just so much misinformation and there's so much game theory to be played here to figuring out how to optimize it for each business owner. Each business owner's facts and circumstances are different getting all these rules to understand how to optimize it for your business is challenging, but very necessary to optimize this program on your behalf. Absolutely. And that's what we started off with. I can't stress this enough. You got to get a good calculator. We're, we're working on developing one too, and we can kind of compare our notes, I suppose, but I can't stress enough that these business owners need to get on top of this and get a good calculator and start playing around with it because because of these multiple tests that that we've been talking about you can plug these numbers in and then play what if and i wanted to circle back there to one thing there's a kind of a fail safe harbor let's call it even if you've cut your employee headcount and you've cut wages they allow you to restore as of june 30 if you bring back your fte you bring back that fte back up to where it was compared to the prior testing period and you restore all wage cuts then all is forgiven and you do not take a haircut because of any prior layoffs or wage reductions so so that's another important strategy in planning uh, in doing your loan maximization and then maybe we can jump into maybe some strategies just quickly I think we're starting to run out of time but on, on talking about with the calculator 
so some of the things that we're, we're looking at is rent. Obviously, that's one of the things you can spend the money on. Can I prepay rent? Could I, could I pay maybe three or four months rent, prepay that into that eight-week period? And is that allowable? We think currently under the rules that, that it is. But we're going to need further guidance for that. Can I interject there? So I know there's lots of business owners that have gone to their landlord and asked to get a three-month rent abatement and add those months of rent to the end of their lease. And under this program, under the PPP program, if you're a PPP recipient, that may not be the best move. It might be better to ask for rent abatement in months July, August, September, rather than having the rent abated during April, May, and June, whereby you could use the PPP loan forgiveness program to pay that rent. Absolutely, because you're going to have to pay that rent anyway, right? And But if you do it properly, the government effectively is going to pay for that rent for you, and it's going to be free rent. So absolutely, you need to think about that. The other thing quickly that maybe one of the strategies would be if you have uh, a defined benefit plan or, or a defined contribution plan, you're going to want to fund that for the year during the eight-week period. That, that counts as payroll. If you have a if you have a, a safe harbor match on a 401k like my firm has, a fund that you want to fund that during that eight-week period. Maybe even you want to adopt a plan. I know you, you maybe you could jump into it quickly, Derek, talking about a, a simple IRA employer-sponsored plan. That you know, maybe set that up and fund that during that eight-week period. Again, that's going to count as as payroll, which is the all-important number in these calculations. So, Kurt, the advice is get a baseline calculator set up even before you uh, get the loan. Get that baseline calculator set up, and then start playing what-if scenarios uh, with your professional team, who, whether it be your CPA or whomever it is that's helping you figuring out how to optimize this. Do you recommend segregating these assets in a separate account? And why might you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. And there's a difference of opinion on that. Look, if you're a a belt and suspenders person, I think you would put that in a a separate segregated account. I spoke to our, our bank contact yesterday, and he said they're not recommending that. That he thinks dollars are fungible. You can you can trace the funds. I'm of the opinion that I, I agree with him. I, the last thing I think these bankers need right now is is more work setting up accounts. They've been inundated with these PPP loans. I think that the folks that didn't do that and put it in a segregated account, if the IRS tried to come back and disallow that, I think there'd be you know a rebellion. But again, if you want to be completely safe, a lot of people are recommending it segregate that and put those funds in there. I think the reason um, what I've read is that back in 2008 and 2009, when they did the TARP loans, and there's a lot of confusion around those, when they decided to go audit the program, they found a lot of fraud. I suspect that's going to be the same with the PPP program. I suspect that there will be a lot of people that get audited And in order to limit that audit or isolate it just to one account, it seems to me that would be a prudent thing to do to mitigate how deep a fraud investigation might go if you're a PPP recipient. Yeah. Now, again, if if you want to be completely safe, that that would be the way to go. Look, from a practical standpoint, with these millions, millions of loans going out, 
it's going to be a fairly low audit rate. But I don't I don't want to discount that if, again. If it would make it much more simple if you do get audited to prove it how it just came out of one account. The only thing on that though is if you have your payroll account, which is automatically being swept from your normal checking account. I, I guess you would say, well, you're going to have to sweep from this other segregated account now to prove that was payroll. Derek, I wanted to bring up one other issue quickly that we saw is starting to come up, and we saw it yesterday with a hotel client. If you've laid off these folks, if we've talked about, and you need to bring them back to restore your FTE, your headcount, they're starting to see that these people do not want to come back to work because the unemployment compensation that is that came out of the uh, act is very lucrative. A lot of people are making $1,000 a week, partially tax-free, which is well above what the, what the pay rate is for somebody working in typically, you know, lower-end jobs in a hotel or even a restaurant or, or maybe manufacturing. And so one of our hotel clients has done this calculation and figured out, oh, we need to bring back the headcount so we can you know, get this maximum loan forgiveness. They're starting to call people and they don't want to come back to work. That's kind of an issue that some, some people listening may, uh, may find that, that uh, is a problem. If a business owner is listening to this and they have that problem, what do you recommend that they do? Well, I had thought that unemployment, because tip, you know, unemployment is designed to, hey, if you don't have a job, I had thought that you could perhaps call the unemployment office and inform them that the job offer has been made and they've refused and, and maybe they would cut it off. I don't know if they're so inundated there. I don't know if that's going to be their policy. So I, I don't have an answer to that yet. This particular client, their answer was they increased their wages and, and made it more attractive for them to come back. That's, I mean, that's kind of a crazy, that's kind of a crazy answer in my opinion, but that's what they decided to do. So they actually bumped up their wages for this period of time that they're going to be eligible for unemployment, which is, I believe it was 14 weeks. I think it ends July 31st. So this enhanced unemployment benefit goes through July 31st and they're going to pay them additional wages through that period of time to get them to agree to come back to work. So wow. that again, that's kind of a, a perverse result of, of something that was in the tax bill. They, they knew it was in there. They were unwilling to change it. There were political differences. Um, that's a, that's too bad that that got perverted in that way to make it more difficult for yeah. business owners to get, yeah. to get people back to work. But, Today we're talking about the PPP and loan forgiveness. We recommend anyone who's gotten one of these loans to get a calculator and to build a baseline plan and then to start playing game theory and doing what-if analysis to determine how to best get the majority of that PP loan forgiveness forgiven by week eight. From the date that you get that money, you have eight weeks to consume it on the things that the government says can be forgiven. So... If you don't have a calculator, contact us. We'll get you our calculator so you can get your baseline together and start putting together your what-if analysis. So, Derek, I just wanted to circle back to one thing before before we go. And that was, can can you delay the receipt? Let's, so let's say you've already applied for the loan. 
and let's say that you have uh, gotten approval, can then, then there's a final loan document that you have to sign to actually get the funds. Can can I delay that? I, I believe the answer is you can delay for 10 days for sure. There's guidance that says the loan has to be funded within 10 days. I think different banks might have different guidelines, and I don't know if anybody has a definitive answer. So you should check with your, your banker. But if you're in the position where your business has not yet reopened, you want to, as we discussed, delay rec- receiving the funding of the loan as long as possible in order to get your loan forgiveness. So that would be something if somebody has not yet received their loan to discuss with their their banker and see if it's possible to l- delay the receipt of the loan. Perfect. I also know that you uh, guide your clients regarding the deferral of employment taxes. Can you talk a little bit about what's available under the PPP for employers to defer the payroll tax, Social Security payroll taxes? Yeah, that's a that's a good point that you bring up. So one of the other benefits of, of trying to help out these um, these businesses with cash flow is they've, they've instituted that you can defer payment of the employer social security portion of the wages. So obviously you, you pay your employees and you have to pay social security on those wages. They've, they've said that you can defer payment of those social security taxes uh, until one half of it's due um, December 31st, 2021 and one half December 31st, 2022. So anyone that wants to free up some a little bit of additional cash flow can defer payment of those taxes. Now, the one catch is if you have applied for a PPP loan, you can it, it, you that deferral is no longer allowed after the forgiveness takes place by the bank. So that that was a good clarification. Originally, we thought if you even apply for the PPP and plan to have it forgiven, you can't utilize this deferral of payroll taxes. The IRS came out with uh, some guidance and said, well, you can apply and you can still use the deferral of the payroll tax and you can continue to do that until the loan is forgiven. So it's a, it's a nice little additional liquidity event for some businesses out there that might be scrambling for some cash flow. So that's something to think about. And if you don't apply for the PPP loan and get loan forgiveness, you can defer Social Security taxes all the way till December 31st, 2020. Um, the IRS published that guidelines in Frequently Asked Questions on April 10th. And if any business owner listening to this would like a copy of that, we'd be happy to furnish that as well. Kurt, very valuable information today. Thank you for taking your time. I know you're incredibly busy. If any business owner listening to the podcast wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? So I think the best way would be email, and they could contact me directly at C Welker, W E L K E R. So at C Welker at P K F San Diego.com. Okay. Kurt Welker, thank you so much for being with us today and providing us all this valuable information. My pleasure. Our next podcast is next Thursday. We hope to have it out next Friday, the first. 
information is coming out so quickly, we find this medium is the best way to get real-time information to push it out to our listening audience. Stay tuned next week. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, which will be next week, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results. 